0: Uh, The Barna Group created a survey and asked nearly 250,000 Christians, um, church-going, regular, attending Christians, they asked them this one question. The question was, have you ever experienced God in a worship service? Have you ever experienced God in a worship service? Sad reality? Only a third of those surveyed a third of 250,000 people said that they regularly experience God in church a third which is striking because I just finished up a book recently by William Hendricks called exit interviews and the entire book was based upon why the current generation is leaving church The current generation. So people my age and younger, why are they leaving church when they leave mom and dad's home? And the sad reality of that, which ties into the the arty stat that I gave you, was that he summarizes what he would call worship dropouts in this way. He says the most common complaint was that worship services were Boring. Not boring in the way that we would use that terminology. But he goes on to explain that it was not that they were not, the gatherings were not interesting. It's that they were not worshipful. They did not lead people to God or they did little to help people meet God. Do you know that the most significant benefit of gathering here on Sundays... In a worship service is to connect with God. To connect with God. That's why I encourage every single person who's still watching online, please come back to church. Please come back to church. The Bible tells us that we need to gather together as God's people. We need this. It is hard to meet God while watching a service through a TV screen. So people who are here, keep coming back. You need this. You need to be here in God's house. But it doesn't matter when we walk through these doors if we have the coolest lights. And it doesn't matter how great the drummer is or the bass player Or the vocalists up here. And it doesn't matter how stunning the stage looks. Or what the chairs look like. Or how relevant the message is. None of those things truly matter. Personal interactions with God that are absent. When those things are absent, when the personal interaction from God is absent, churches lose people. Statistics show it. People become uh, stagnant in their relationship with, with the church. So church, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you experienced the presence of God in a church service? When was the last time? When was the last time you experienced the presence of God in your own personal walk outside of here? Because true, life-changing encounters with the living God are missing from many of our churches today. And one of the greatest needs that we have is not new programs, or new Bible studies, or new seminars, or marriage groups. It's that we need encounters with God. Amen. We desperately have a need of a life-changing glimpse of the greatness of And the awesomeness and the wonder and the power and the mercy and the goodness and the justice and the loving kindness of God. I want to read to us this morning a passage of scripture that's going to show us a few things. Some things that I believe are often overlooked in the Old Testament. An experience and an encounter with God that was one that was unique, but it should drive us to ask the same things that Moses did. And so, if you have your Bibles and you're in Exodus 33, I want you to go to, to verse number 12. Now, I want you to know some back, back context here before I pick up. Moses. Is leading the Israelites now deep into Exodus. They've gotten away, they've, cro- they've gotten away from Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, they've seen the power of God working in their lives, and yet they have turned back to idolatry. And the Lord was angry because of it. Moses himself even shattered the Ten Commandments because he came down and he saw them worshiping golden calves. And Moses had already encountered the Lord, and now he's back in God's presence. And there's this interaction that is about to, uh, to occur here in the scripture. And Moses is now saying, and he takes his assistant, who is Joshua, and they depart from the camp. And they're going to meet with the Lord. And they used to set up what they would call the tent of meeting. It was was something they would set up outside of the camp and it would be the place where Moses would enter and it said the pillar of cloud would come and they would guard the door and Moses would be in the presence of God. In the very presence of God and he would be able to communicate with God. Now I want to show you Moses' intercession here for the people and for his own life. Watch what he says in verse 12. Moses says to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He's interceding on behalf of the Israelites. He's saying, God, these are your people. Show us your ways. God says to Moses, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Anyone in this room need to hear that this morning? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he says to him, Moses, speaking back to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. Moses didn't even want to leave if God wasn't going to go with him. Don't bring me up here, for, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord says to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back. But my face you shall not see. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now, Lord, and we are asking for the very thing that we know is neglected in a lot of churches and that's for your presence. God, we welcome your presence here. I do not want to be a follower, and we do not want to be a church that stifles your presence. We want to be a church that is actively living out your word, and your presence goes with us. In our coming and in our going, you are with us. God, I pray for a fresh perspective on worship this morning. I pray for a fresh perspective on your presence this morning and what the ramifications of your presence bring in a good way. God, I I ask for you to to stir deep within our souls this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. amen. 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 As we dive into this text this morning, there is a question that we must answer. And it's the question, what is worship? What is worship? When we mention the word worship, it conjures up all kinds of images in people's minds. Some people think prayer. Some people think rocking out on stage. Some people think out here raising their hands during a song or kneeling down or being in your prayer closet. Some people imagine living a certain way. But the word worship simply stated, worship, worship, means to declare worth to God, to declare worth. The word worth, uh, worship comes from the old English word meaning worthship worship It's a word that we fairly understand here, especially when it comes to God's word. So for us, worship means to ascribe worth to God. To give something to Him. Now we should not come in this place, we should not live our daily lives to worship God for something that we can get out of it. We should worship God to give him honor that he is due we worship God to recognize his worth and his value and his place in our church and his claim on our lives that's why we worship God and for us we should not come in here with the expectation that worship is going to be a weekly pep rally to get us all jazzed up to go and win some contest. And worship in this place is not to be a motivational seminar that will make us feel good about our situation or about ourselves. Worship is not some Christian alternative to a Saturday night rock concert when you walk into this building. Worship occurs when people encounter the presence of God. Why? Because you fall down in the presence of holiness. Isaiah chapter 6 says that very, very thing when Isaiah saw the the heavens open up and experienced the presence of God, what was the first thing that he did? What to fall down? And he says, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips. He knew that God was worthy and holy in his presence. But how often do we come into this place? How often do you have your personal quiet time and you come with an agenda? I've been guilty. I've come to the Lord with my own agenda. And we forget that God comes every time with an agenda. And that's to see submissive lives and to to change, radically change people from the inside out. That's the agenda of God, and so often do we miss it. There is an encounter with the presence of God. But if worship is about encountering the presence of God, then I think a simple question has to be raised. Isn't God's presence always with the believer? Isn't God's presence always with the believer? Well, there's a reality that's talked about in the Bible. And it's the reality of God's omnipresence. A big theological word that, that pastors throw around and then rarely ever explain to you what it means. So Bible scholars... In the room, those of you who know what that word is, bear with me for just a moment. Omnipresence is a big theological word that means that God is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. I'm going to say it again. Omnipresence means that God is everywhere present with his whole being At all times. We see this spoken about in scriptures such as Psalm 139. We see it in Jeremiah 23. You even see it in Matthew 28 when Jesus is giving the great commission to the disciples. And he says, lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. He's talking about his presence. So of course, of course God is with us always. Always. God's universal presence is a marvelous fact of life. And we cannot escape the presence of God, but sometimes we're blind to it. Would you guys agree with that? Sometimes we're blind to the presence of God. Never for a minute should we ever walk about and think that we have somehow escaped the presence of God. That's a scary thought. That is a a scary thought for the one living in sin. Feeling like I've never been caught. God sees. God's presence is everywhere. God even promised Moses here in, in verse number 14. He says, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. So not only is there a reality that God is present entirely everywhere, he also says in the rest of verse number 14, he says, my presence will go with you. And then he says, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. God is promising to manifest his presence in a special way to those who submit. He's promising That he himself will give you rest. This is what we would call revealed presence. The presence of God. That not just that God is everywhere, but that he is revealed when people obey. When people obey. Now, before I go any further, I need everyone to just put on your spiritual seatbelts with me for a moment. Go ahead. put Put them on. Put them on. I don't want to lose you here, but this is something very important that you must understand about worship. You can't get into a place uh, of where you're living a lifestyle of worship until you understand the presence of God. There is a revealed presence that is talked about. An Old Testament scholar, Terence Frytham, calls it the tabernacling presence. It's the manifest presence of God. Do you know that in worship, when we experience God, He is desiring to remove the blindfolds off of our life and give us an extraordinary and breathtaking glimpse of divine radiance. Something that only comes from Him. And I believe that out of all of the passages of Scripture, Luke, the historian, the doctor... The man who was a great writer recorded something that was very unique, something very special. And he's the only gospel writer that recorded this specific instance. And in Luke chapter 5, he talks about not only the omnipresence of God, but he talks about the revealed presence of God. And you know what? I just have to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. I will read it out loud. Unless you want to, Gold Star students, turn to Matthew chapter five. In verse seventeen, it says, and "On one of these day, on one of those days, he was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and um, Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal." And behold, some men were bringing on, um, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up to the roof, and they let him down with the bed, through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins uh, are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home and immediately he rose up before them and he picked up what he had been laying on and he went home glorifying God and the amazement seized them all and they glorified God and they were filled with awe saying we have seen extraordinary things today extraordinary things Luke records an example for both God's omnipresence and his revealed presence The omnipresence is the fact that Jesus was there. God was there. But it says that the power of the Lord was with him. It was God's revealed presence that healed the paralytic man. It was the the revealed presence of God in that very moment of time that Luke recognized something different that none of the other writers saw. Luke noticed something powerful And it was God's revealed presence. It was his revealed presence that causes the people to be astounded and in awe and giving glory back to God. You know that's what happens? That's what happens when you're obedient. When you're obedient to God, when you ascribe worth to God, his presence brings life. His presence brings radical change. But there's something that's needed for worship. It's not enough just to know about the presence of God. Church, if I could ask you this one question. Don't respond out loud, I just want you to think. If you could ask God for anything in the world what would it be? If you could ask him for anything, balcony, online, if you could ask God for anything, what would it be? Whatever came to your mind, the the question uh, that I asked, whatever your response would be, says a lot about yourself. It wasn't a trick to get you to feel bad or to feel guilty, but it says a lot about yourself. You know, there were several people who had the opportunity to ask God anything, for anything. They were in his very presence, and Moses was one of them. We read, Moses met with God, and he had the opportunity to ask for anything in the entire universe, and he did not ask for food or drink. He did not ask for silver or gold. He did not ask for prestige or riches. Moses had a desire for something far deeper, something far higher, something beyond himself, something that was eternal and and spiritual. And he gave two requests. He asked them both. And the first thing that he says is, God, show me your ways. His first request in the very presence of God was, Show me your ways. Moses wanted to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with God. He was not interested in God's ways just to have a knowledge of them. He wanted God, he wanted to grasp a hold of him. He longed and desired. He's saying, I want to walk with you into eternity. And it came because he had the heart of a worshiper that was saying, God, I want to sign up with you for life, not just this chapter. God, I want to experience you every day in my life. I want to walk with you. I don't just want the facts. I want you, God. I want you. Believer, when was the last time you just prayed to God saying, I want you, God? So often we come to prayer because we have a need for something. Just a need is the only time we seek God. And that's sad To worship God, to ascribe worth to God, says, I'm going to come to you out of reverence for you. I'm just going to come and I'm going to say thank you because of the beauty that's before me. I'm going to say thank you because I have breath in my lungs. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you woke up today with only the things that you thanked God for yesterday, what would you have? What would you have? Moses hungered for God and he longed for him. And he knew that there was nothing in this world that would ever compare, nothing that would ever satisfy. nothing at all. And the song goes on to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry when I came with my agenda. And I'm sorry when I came to just sing another song. And I'm sorry when I I came and didn't realize that you were enough. And I want you. And nothing else. Jesus. Yes, we need to long for God's presence. We need to long for God's presence. The second thing is this, that we need to look for God's hand at work. We need to look for God's hand at work. We need to listen for the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. And the last one is to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Um, I have done a lot of traveling and witnessing on missions trips in my 13 years of ministry. I've been to all sorts of places and encountered all sorts of people. And I've heard over and over and over again, well, I've been to church before, and uh, it was good, but it really wasn't my thing. And whenever I hear that, um, the flesh in me is like, "Well, you've been to a dead church." That that was a joke. You guys were supposed to laugh. Thanks. Um, I even encountered an individual one time who said that they had read the Bible and there was a lot of good wisdom in there, but they've also read the Quran and there was wisdom in there. And as I was having this conversation with this person, um. Something occurred to me. I've never had anyone look me in the eyes and say, Pastor, I've experienced the presence of God and I don't want it. Never in 13 years of ministry has anyone ever looked me in the eyes and said, I don't want God's presence when they've experienced it. And that's because the one uh, the ones who experience the, the real presence of God are changed from the ordinary. Would you guys agree with that? The ones who experience the presence of God are changed from the ordinary and they want more of God. They want to continue to be changed, to be different. And I believe and that's why one of my favorite authors and theologians said this quote that's going to hit the screens. A.W. Tozer said, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for the want of His presence. And the instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. He's talking to believers. And he said this would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and it would cause our hearts to be enlarged. And it would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs and the fungi were burned away from the fire that dwelt in the bush. He's saying that God's presence in and around us changes the very nature of who we are. That's why Paul himself said, the man who is in Christ is a new creation. Your outward appearance may look exactly the same, but you are different because the presence of God dwells within you as the temple. We were made to worship. We were made to experience and encounter the presence of God. So long for God. Look for God's hand. Listen to His voice and be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. And we just ask, Lord, that as we depart from this place that we would chew on and meditate upon your word and the words that were spoken today as we dive into this this new series. God, I, I pray that we would not tune these things out. I pray that we would see the purpose of worship, that we were created to worship you, that we were created to submit our lives to the calling that you have placed on every single one of us as followers. God, take the blinders off, remove them. Drastically, if you have to. Remove the blinders from our lives so that we are no longer narrow or short-sighted with our issues and our problems, but God, that we're looking back to the creator and the sustainer of life. God, I pray for strength for us as a body as we work through and navigate through your word each and every week. Mold us and shape us. Make us pliable in your hands. Form us into your image more and more every single week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before you guys take off today, there is something that I would like to share with you. Um, Just a couple of quick reminders about stuff. If you have not... um, had an opportunity to give, make sure you do that on the way out or you can do it online. Uh, If you want to get plugged in and serving this weekend, make sure you tag Kathy for the free fair parade. And then last but not least, um, for the last several months, uh, we have been looking uh, for a worship pastor uh, to kind of step into this role here so that I don't have to lead worship and speak every single week. Um, And though it has been a blessing to be able to be a part of music again uh, in this season of my ministry, um, we have uh, been interviewing people for the last several months and we have come to uh, a final candidate that's actually going to be with us in two weeks. Two weeks from today, um, Zachariah Barnes, I was going to have a picture and I totally um, forgot about it so I apologize. Um, but Zachariah Barnes is going to be here with his family um, on the 25th. He's going to be leading worship with us um, and just wanted to make you guys aware uh, that uh, we, we do have somebody coming in. Um, so thank you for bearing uh, with me leading worship and uh, the team as well and uh, just wanted to keep you guys in the loop. So we love you guys. We hope you have a blessed week. We hope to see you next Sunday as we're in week two of this series made to worship Um, And you are sent.